Ah, oh, shit. Pow! We are back. It's Daryl. And it's Johnny. We are back for another episode of Mission Control. We're here at the Hen House again. And we're going to have Chris and Tom from Dead Space joining us. They've recently played a bunch of shows in Victoria. So let's check in with them and see how they are doing. Pow! The Mission Control Podcast, recorded at the Hen House Rehearsal Studios. Book your room today at thehenhouse.com.au. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence starts. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Alright, so the jackets came off earlier because it was quite hot because I think there's too much black in this room. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how many um, shows did you play on the last Over East? Uh, we played shows. The first one was in Ballarat, then Bendigo, Frankston. Frankston was funny. Yeah. <laughs> Frankston. And Fitzroy was lost. Nah, yeah, Fitzroy, Melbourne. Yeah. We they played. were all in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was well, just a Victorian Victoria. run. But we did um, we did the Evelyn, which was really awesome, and that was packed. Evelyn's great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. But really Fit- good room. Fitzroy was really... Oh, no, not Fitzroy. Frankston was really interesting. We uh, finished and we were packing up and there was this nightclub and the doors were open in this nightclub and there was an ambulance there and a cop car and someone was, like, on the ground. They'd just been, like, stabbed in the club and they were getting put on the ambulance and this guy was getting, like, dragged off in cuffs and with the full volume, you can hear it all the way down the street. There's just Soldier Boy blaring out of this fucking club. It was just that Soldier Boy. It was just the most ghetto, uncomfortable situation. And I'm like sitting there, like trying to have a spew in this alleyway because I felt like shit. And there's cops like circling and looking at us. And then one of the guys from one of the bands vomited all over his lap. So someone came, someone came up to us. It was like, um. Oh, yeah, can, do you have any merch we can buy off you? Because we need something to, like, wipe up vomit. Oh, I see what this band is now. <laughs> Makes sense. I'd yeah. be honoured. Yeah. So was that, like, um, in a bus driving around, or do you have, like, a central place to stay and just head to the, the shows? We stayed at um, our, well, our main drummer. He lives in Melbourne, and he's got a van that we were cutting around the whole place. So The, yeah. the funnest part about the van is... There's no communication between the back and the front. And this is all, like, fully illegal, too. Like, there's no, no seats in the back. Like, there's just a bed. And uh, orchestrating when Zeb decides not to pull over for a piss stop, exactly where you're going to piss and what you're going to do. So uh, we sort of worked out that there's a hole in the bottom of the van where you can sort of get your dick out there and piss out the bottom. But, but the thing is, is if Zeb slams on the brakes and you slide you don't have a dick <laughs> so Ollie resorted to a, a beer bottle an, yeah an empty beer bottle uh, and then basically there's tape in the back of the van because we've got a we've got to like tape black shades over the windows so like cops and stuff can't see that there's like a party going on in yeah. the back of the van. so like there's tape there so he decided to basically get like a piece of plastic bag or something from something and then just tape up the bottle so basically he's just collecting piss bottles until we and then Tommy tried to do it at one point and it was I did it and it, I succeeded yeah oh you managed to do it yeah okay yeah I came prepared I had a water bottle there are With photos there are yeah, photos yeah. <laughs> and, and videos I think Oh, those videos are so much shit in Melbourne. We bought Shelby a Shiwi, but she hasn't used it yet. Mm. Oh, my friend has a Shiwi. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's basically a funnel, right? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, pretty much, so you can stand up and... But they'd be good for guys as well, I think. 
I don't think we need them. Yeah, well, if you want to be more discreet, Unless it's I guess. for drinking piss. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. If you want to be really jamming about it. <laughs> so you guys also played the, um, the Blacken Festival, the Alice Springs one? Yep, that Alice. was... That was one we of Tommy's first gigs. <laughs> um, we would like to say we remember it, but we stayed in this backpacker that we stay at every single time, and we have to book it under a different name every time we're there because we get pretty much kicked out. Yeah. Um, and it's like no external booze, and then you go out the back of like where we are, which is like public, and there'll just be bottles everywhere. So more or less, first thing that happened is, because it was Easter Friday... Um, yeah, Good Friday, whatever whatever those Christians are into. Um, meaning all bottle shops in Alice Springs are shut. So our luggage was basically like, okay, we'll leave the merch at home and we'll pack just litres and litres of whiskey instead. <laughs> so we, we bought a whole lot of piss and then we got off the plane, went straight to the airport, got a, got a lift from the guys over there. And then within 10 minutes, Shelby had vomited red wine all over the floor outside. Um, There was a bottle of monkey shoulder that was brought out. John packed an entire carton of booze in his bag, like just an entire carton of Cooper's Celebration Ale. So we just smashed that, and then we went out that night, and... um, Ollie and I got really drunk, spent the whole night hitting on this gay bartender that was, like, way better looking than us. <laughs> and he was just, like, fully not interested in us whatsoever, but we just kept, like, staring at him because we were so smashed, and we were like, oh, this is getting really creepy. Um, yeah, so that was, like, the first night, and then I fell off a bunk bed and knocked myself out. <laughs> um, There's a video of that. Now, this is where it gets funny. So then we, you know, we hit up the festival the next day. It was a two-day festival. It was great. Um, one of my favorite bands in Australia, they're called the Holy Dimes. They're like a croony, like, heroin rock kind of band. Like, it's fucking awesome. And um, Gav has, like, hands down the best voice. If he can nail it in time, he'll be singing on our next record in a part as well. But I haven't heard from him in a bit. Um, and, yeah, just the crew down there, like, it's like family. And it's not like Perth. Like, people that aren't into metal still go to this metal thing. Like, just these hippies that, like, bush doof because they're friends and they're in this community. And it's just everybody that's, like, supporting this local scene. Like, whether you like whatever you can take from the festival, it's there. And everybody in town that is involved with this Black Wreath, which is the family, like, helps set this thing up. And Pirate works, like, all year round. But what I was getting to, anyways, after all this booze was consumed, Tommy spent... The first night, sitting under a tree on his mobile phone, <laughs> staring at this smouldering cigarette, and then just lighting another one, and then just lighting another one. And I had everyone yeah. coming up to me like, hey, is that your new guitar player? I kind of figured because, like, you know, he's wearing makeup and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, where is he? He's under a tree looking for his soul. <laughs> I have the funniest photo the next day. Like, we got him back. We got him. We, we somehow got him into bed. And then he woke up the next morning and drank, like, three quarters of a bottle oh, of whiskey for man, breakfast. I- I remember getting up that morning and I looked down at the couch that you were sleeping on and there's an unopened bottle of wine. I just grabbed that, go outside, have a cigarette and I just see the vomit and a used condom lying on the floor. Yes, <laughs> like, yeah. where the fuck yeah, did someone, all this shit come from? Someone just decided to stop and have like a sneaky route right outside our fucking bedroom and then just leave the condom like in the garden and walk uh. off. It was fucking weird. <laughs> and uh, yeah, then we had these crackheads like try and like come in and party with us and we are like, no. Yeah. And then... I've got the best photo of Tommy basically sitting outside on this steel chair 
with the blankest, most dead look in his eyes, <laughs> just fucking sitting there with a cigarette, looking sad at a bottle of wine in his hand, yeah. and that sums up his entire trip. Yeah. And then on the last yep. day, John was like, oh, fuck you, Tommy, you're a fucking pussy, Laura, I'm going to drink more. And then John just started blacking out, just like eating shit and falling on the floor. We're like, what the fuck? And I was like, dude, you need to drink water, you need to drink water. And like the outside stage has like sand, it's like, you know, desert sort yeah. of thing. And he's sitting on the sand. I can't remember. I think we were watching like Hortopsy or something who played like After Us. And he's like sitting there nodding. And I just see him go Boo, bang and just smash his face on the ground. <laughs> and we were like, oh. And then we didn't get to like, we didn't get all the way through the hands because we had to get John back and like put him in bed, which it always happens. Like, you know. He tried crawling in bed with me, then blacked out again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so Alice brings messy, fun. Uh, Kelvin actually asked me the other day in the interview that we did the uh, um, you know the metal machine interview yeah, yeah. He, he asked me like how was the reception um, and you know what was the turnout like and I think that's like completely fucking irrelevant when we're talking about something like this like you know obviously it's music or whatever but um, the turnout was personal like it's not that wouldn't be the question that I'd be asking about Alice Springs. It's the experience. Uh, the festival is growing. Like, people are coming from, like, all over the place. There was uh, a dude that was from Perth that we saw at the airport, and he was going there just to watch bands and shit. Like, didn't know, like, this thing was on until someone spoke about it. So, yeah, it's growing, and it's amazing, but it's family. And uh, what I fear is that it will eventually attract people from other places that don't understand how the place works and sort of bring like a hopefully it never happens because I just couldn't imagine Alice Springs metal scene with any negativity in it whatsoever yeah, but I just yeah. I just hope it you know and, and I have faith in it like those those guys are awesome and I have absolutely um no question in my mind that if someone over there was being a dick they would not get invited back and they wouldn't be allowed back in next time like they keep it really cool mm -hmm. so yeah I'd say like in terms of like you know how many people were there like what was the turnout like it's like it's hard to tell because people come and they go and they, yeah, yeah. they just do whatever but it's um, yeah it's irrelevant yeah it's irrelevant yeah did you end up finding your soul no no is <laughs> no. that why he had that blank vacant I, stare been... was that because he had no soul <laughs> he sold it when he joined this band <laughs> <laughs> nah I lost it long ago <laughs> long long ago it's probably right. around the time I met you you can just buy a new one that's what you're fine pretty funny last night like I went looking for my in-ear monitors this might embarrass Tommy <laughs> oh no and um looking for my in-ear monitors and I'm like oh fuck they're still in Tommy's car from when we played the Boston right and he's like yeah just take the keys or whatever and I go into his boot and I grab the in-ear monitors and there's a bag next to it with a pack of condoms a rope and a gag ball and a <laughs> kid mask in it <laughs> what the fuck and are I you just, up to I just wanted to take Lots a photo and just things. post it on the band page like all right, you know, what you see is what you get. When I, when I was when I was in Sydney, we got... This is dead space. Yeah, when I was in Sydney, we got really drunk, walked into a sex shop and spent 120 bucks on this huge double-ended black dildo. <laughs> and then we played this show in Canberra, and, like, there was this dude, like, you know, putting his arms in the air like he, like he wanted me to throw it to him or whatever, like, whole footy style. So I was like, fuck it. It's heavy as fuck, like... Like, um, Tommy hit Shelby with it the other day and, like, she yeah, was bruised. Um, so it's pretty pretty heavy. Um, and it still, like, exists in our jam room. But, yeah, so I threw this dildo at this guy and he's got his hands in the air. And then, like, 
perfect situation. All the lights go out and there's this black dildo travelling through the air and it sconned him right in the face. <laughs> it was the fucking funniest thing and I'm so glad I bought that now. Like, Just for that moment. Yeah. That's a lot of commitment, man, spending 120 bucks on a black dildo. Well, I mean, Double-ended. And dildo. Double-ended. Okay. And through the whole, like, tour, our merch list was like, you know, CDs, 10 bucks, shirts, 20 bucks, life meaningless, big black dicks, priceless. <laughs> <laughs> and we left it there and people were, like, eyeing it off and we were waiting for someone to just steal it. Like, we were just like... Yeah. Some chick is just going to walk past, or some guy that like you know really wants to to fuck this big black dick is just going to grab it and stash it somewhere. Yeah, and, and sit um, on it for we later. were sort of like looking out for like people limping in the crowd or whatever. But, <laughs> but it actually stayed there even in Sydney. But some girls in Sydney did grab it and try and walk off with it, and um, disappeared with it into the toilet for about five minutes. So we don't know what actually happened. Oh, um, you got to check so, the smell on that one. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like it. Uh, the the look of these, uh, I don't know. It, I, I don't think much happened, to be honest. Yeah. I think like Australians are kind of like all talk in general. Yeah, yeah. All talk and no action. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not too worried. I don't I don't give a shit anyway. It's a big black dick. Like I didn't buy it so people wouldn't fuck it. You know, like <laughs> why else would you want one? Yeah, I know. Really, you, you got to utilize it at least. Yeah. Use it to beat your bass player. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so you got the. Uh, J- Japan shows. How many shows are you doing in Japan in November? Um, we're doing four. Four oh, shows? Which towns them, are you hitting? Two of them are in Tokyo. I'm not sure where the yeah, others are. Two in Tokyo. So there's like a bigger capacity one, which is like capital size, mm-hmm. quite big. Uh, just to clarify as well, like because of the symphonic stuff going on, Flesh God Apocalypse are like one of the bigger bands in Japan and last time they were there they pretty much packed every venue so that's why there's two Tokyo shows there's a large capacity one and a smaller capacity one um, I've played at the smaller one before I've never played at the larger one and we've been trying to get in there for a while so this is cool Then there's one in Osaka in a venue that I've played in before and Nagoya Mm-hmm. So, like, Nagoya is like, really small. It's cold as fuck. Mm. Uh, that will be, you know, just kind of, like, I think that's the last show as well. So that will just be, like, absolute write-off, piss-up type thing. But the Osaka one's cool. Now, some of my good friends that I've met in Japan, I actually met at old Osaka shows. Um, and the Tokyo shows would be mental. So it's yeah. basically... Um, yeah, in terms of the shows, I think it's like the big show, then like it goes down in size pretty much. Yeah, there's a lot of really small venues there. Like they, they run it really differently. Like for, for them, there's I've heard there's like 30 cap venues as well, like really, really tiny venues. Well, the Osaka one's under a railway station. Wow. Hmm. That's so like you can like hear trains like in between like songs, you can hear trains going like over the top of this thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. But, uh, yeah, thanks for coming down, guys. Oh, You're welcome. Fun, man. Hell yeah, we're going to do it again. Yeah, for yeah, sure. More Definitely. dildo stories. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll have to come up with a few more. Yeah, we'll have new toys by then. So. <laughs> <laughs> buy one of those, buy one of those like, full-on, like, life-size sex robots. Oh, right. hell yeah. Get if the it, American bombshell. If it looks 17, Tommy will be totally into it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh you got to write your actual Dead Space logo on the black dildo and uh, have it as merch. I actually looked into getting a vinyl sticker printed to, to stick to it on stick there. stick on it, yeah. Um, <laughs> when we did Rust in Perth, when we came back from the tour that we bought it on, I was actually going to like get everybody on the show to sign it and give it to Paul as yeah. like a present. But um, when we got off the plane, uh, there was some shit happened over East. It was like the first 
thing that we needed to iron out like it, it was like the first negative experience we'd had on a tour and um we we're all sort of like at each other's throats and it was we were exhausted we were all sick and we literally got off the plane and went straight to rust in perth and then played that and then ollie went to work and the rest of us went to sleep so um that was like probably not the not the nicest show but it was that's where we ironed out like all the kinks in the band like we were like okay tour wise this needs to be done it was just organizational shit that went wrong you know mm-hmm. and it was completely blown out of proportion um and was not actually a big deal it was shit like we rocked up to launceston and there was no accommodation booked and everyone was getting narky because, you know, apparently I was meant to book the accommodation. And I literally just texted my mate John that just got off the plane. I'm like, can you go on booking.com and book a fucking room? And he's like, yeah, sure. And it was done in like two seconds. <laughs> like legit, like the easiest thing to sort out. But because everyone was grumpy and tired, it was just a nightmare. And then, you know, Nish and I were in Sydney for like a week staying at a friend's house while the other guys were at home. And then Shelby missed her flight to Canberra so bang credit card came out and we express flew her over like it was like 1500 bucks to get her to Canberra and like all this shit just like went wrong and it left this real like bitter taste in everyone's mouth but like I firmly believe in like if you got something negative to say make it fucking hilarious (laughs) or like or just don't say it and put it forward as an idea that needs to be worked through you know and basically it was like this is the problem this is what happened is this really a problem and then I was coming from a different angle where I'm like nothing actually went wrong none of us are dead we made the shows we played fine don't worry about it now we can sort this shit out so like a negative thing became like a positive thing Mm. Um, and the lineup change sort of came out of that as well like where we got Tommy on board and like um just like the, the situation like that isn't worth stress and that sort of shit so realistically we've come out like a much healthier band because of that but that was like that was a period where I was in Sydney and like you know I started this band on my own and then Drew and Nish evolved and then like built it up from like this nothing and it got to the point where I actually like propositioned the guys like all right this is what's got to happen we need to make a change or you guys need to kick me out because I don't want to be in like a band that isn't like purely what Mm. I wanted to do anyway and um we need to sort through this stuff and it was like obvious that we needed to sort through and then I basically told the guys because I had been the dick and put down the proposition that you know you guys need to make up your mind I said you guys make a decision and then we'll get together and we'll have a beer and then we'll go from there Mm. and that's that's what happened at that point that's a really cool way of doing it like uh, the way you're phrasing it like I'm not really leaving, but obviously I don't fit into this configuration if it's going to keep going this way. Well, it wasn't really just that. It was more respect for the other guys. Like, I didn't want to be like, you know, this is my fucking band and blah, blah, blah. Like, I was just like, well, we're a collective unit. If you guys make the decision that, you know, I can't work with certain people and this is going on, and if you guys make the decision that you guys would like to keep a relationship with someone else and you don't want me in the band then I respect that because you guys have put hard work into this as well it was my mm. way of saying this is as much your choice as my choice but the way that it is is there. this is the ultimatum this is what needs to happen because um, you know I don't spend as I said like last three years I don't spend like 20,000 fucking dollars not being happy like, I, I want to yeah. do something yeah. that I wanted to do and mm. you know I've got a solo thing now and all this stuff and that came out of that as well as I was like I can't have, like, all of my happiness, like, right on this, like, one thing as an artist. Like, I need something that I can control so I don't bring 
And that was a good exercise for it, is not to bring like controlling aspects into this project as well. Mm. Because with Dead Space, it's meant to be organic and it's meant to like be, you know, how are we feeling? How's this going? You know, that's that's the idea. And I didn't want to be like, you know, the the band leader, like, you know, Orca felt from Opeth or whatever, where he just fucking signs the contracts and they play whatever they're told to play, you know? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, yeah. And especially being a smaller band, and that's why we went with the record label that we're on at the moment is because we have a really open, honest um, relationship and he just wants the best for the band and the label and we're trying to grow together. So it's not the biggest record label in the world, but it's definitely like we have a very mutual agreement that we talk and we get through shit and, you know, if we need something, we let him know and then he does the best he can do. And he, you know, basically that that is the best thing for us at the moment and we're just slowly doing things. You know, if we were at the point where we'd accepted some huge contract and just taken off, like this band could be completely fucked. You know, mm-hmm. we, we might not be happy or whatever, but at this point in time, I think that everything we're doing is positive and especially like, you know, the health of certain members lately and, you know, I've been sick and then Shelby's been in hospital and it's really highlighted how positive this band actually is for all of our all of our health. Like, it's not, you know, I'm talking like mental health as well, yeah. you know, like yeah. it's yeah. this this is something that we can all, we all go to and like, it makes us feel better, like as stressful as it gets, it's always worth it, I think. And yeah. I think it's because we just, you know, Especially like now, the communication's really good because Shelby and Ollie live like really close together, and Tommy and I live on the same street more or less. So basically, we just I'm with Tommy like four out of five nights a week when I'm not down south, um, and it's just really like oh, what's going on? Okay, updates, updates, updates. Like everybody is just on the same page, and you know yeah. we're all in the studio at the moment. So yeah, it's been been really positive as of late. Yeah, so you're gonna. All- Hold hands and skip through hell together. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I think we create it, create our own hell. <laughs> That's really alcoholism. cool. Alcoholism. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, adversity is what really grows a band as well. Like you were talking about the the issues that happen on tour, those things almost have to happen. Like yeah, you almost need that, happen. and that, that's the real test. And like, yeah, exactly. Like uh, coming to terms with the fact that these things are going to happen, and how you deal with it determines yeah. the outcome um, of the band as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that, um, like what you just said, how, how you deal with it is uh, it's always going to be a process that you like learn from. Like, did we did we deal with this well? I mean, all the all the shit that happened on tour, like, I've travelled a lot, you know, I've been in Europe and like, stuff's fallen through, like, accommodation in Sweden and I don't speak Swedish and, you know, shit like that and like, you know, I'm so used to everything and so is John, you know, Pascod, who I got to book the room, like he's he's used to getting off a plane and going shit, i got nowhere to sleep tonight and just booking it you know, like, it's not, it's not that difficult, really, that but when it's the first time that someone's dealt with that yep. um, I think the best way to to deal with things and the rule that we made after that was like no more finger pointing like if we end up in a situation it's not your fault it's not your fault it's just it's happened and like yeah. it just needs to be dealt with and like that's the thing that that really triggered the animosity at that point was you know like Shelby had gone home and she was like bitter because she gets chronic anxiety and then like we were put in a position where we almost had to our drummer like almost didn't make it to the show because he booked the wrong fucking flight he thought the gig was a night but it was during the day Tasmanians do that um, <laughs> and it was and it was in Tasmania and we almost had to swap with Sanzu mm. which is like super unprofessional not cool but you know it was what we almost had to do 
and in the end like Disho from Depart was like fuck it man I got you back I'll go pick Zeb up from the airport right now I'll get him here and Zeb got there 10 minutes before the set we set up and we played a full set and it was absolutely fine in the process um, and, and rightly so like you know I, I don't I don't think that it's unreasonable like you know some people were a little bit upset and pissed off that that had happened mm. and um being like a diabetic and shit like I was having a bit of a rough time with like blood sugars so I, I went off to do something and I sort of left Shelby to pick up the slack and because she gets anxious she just sort of exploded and that was like the worst day of her life so I was getting all these like mixed feelings from her like when she was at home and I was in Sydney like like this might be her last tour like she was saying stuff like oh you know like we need to change stuff and I need a change and I can't do this and blah 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 and I was, I was literally thinking like fuck like I consider us all like core members at that point, like Shelby, like Shelby and Ollie and I, and you know Tommy's fitting in really well. Mm. Um, I consider us all like you know core members, and for somebody that like not only as a band member but like almost like a sister that like you completely love to turn around and say I don't want to do this with you at, at this point, like it was fucking heartbreaking, you know. And there was all this shit going on in Sydney and stuff that like just exacerbated the whole thing but then when we came back when she missed her flight and she realized that i would just smack down like 1500 bucks to get her on a plane to canberra she realized like oh i'm being maybe a little bit like hot-headed about this like we can sort this out like you know obviously they want me there mm-hmm. where like yeah. you know we're like worst case scenario we play without a bass player but we never really wanted to do that like when you realize that the better option is to put down fifteen hundred dollars on a credit card and express fly your bass player over there so she can get there an hour before the set and get on stage when that is the better option it's pretty obvious what kind of a band it is you know and then those those problems like we sorted through Um, and a lot of them were organizational problems i've learned how shelby thinks now and if if things aren't sort of organized like it creates more chaos in her brain and that's just part of part of the way that she's wired um so i know now that even if it's just like a loose plan like it's good to have that shit in front of her whether i give a fuck about it or not it's like here it is like yeah. if that makes you feel good then that's sweet and half of that stuff might even change but yeah. at least it's there like i've mm. gone to like the every, effort every problem can be solved yeah when you think yeah about but it. you're but also you're empathetic towards uh the, the perspective of the other people well, uh, and you you're be. accommodating for that instead of going well I shouldn't have to do that you're mm. going well if it makes you work better if you feel a bit better then maybe it's something we should all compromise on to make you feel better well so. I, I think that's that's really um that that's the important thing of being in any situation where you it's like a band thing it's, it's not really like a business arrangement or like a partnership or anything like that it's it's like a family you know like I'll talk to like Kel all the time you know my partner and we'll be talking and you know she's got three kids and I always talk like yeah yeah you know my four kids you know like we're we because we all look after <laughs> yeah. each other you know and that's that's how it is but you know um it it gets deeper than that and if you're not emotionally accommodating people that can be just bad as physically accommodating people you know if people feel like oh you know we'll just do this and you can pick up the slack later or whatever like that's not that's emotional bullying you know that's mm. not something that that you would do to your family you know yeah. like um I, i'm an asshole like that though family wise you know like there's been times where mums like message me like oh so are you coming home for dinner i'm like yeah i'll be home in three months i'm in europe you know like yeah. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and i fucking live with her you know like so i can't talk i'm, I'm very much like a wing it kind of person mm. i've got up many a time and just moved and mm. done silly things and it's funny you bring up the emotional thing 
because not to generalize but I find bands with a female element to it simply just work better in a weird way because there's a balance that happens and I think dudes have a lot of trouble expressing emotional elements this is is a really tough one to answer Um, I don't think that the balance comes from having a legit female in the band I think that within this band there is a balance between female and male energy in everyone in everyone and yes. I think yep. I think I am equally as female as Shelby is male mm-hmm. yep. I don't think that like it's just we have this one girl and like we're all very emotional open people um you know, we we wear we all wear makeup. Um, most of us, I'm pretty sure, all of us are pretty happy to say that like we're all a little bit gay, mm. um, and that's just how it is. You know, like we this band, like I mean, the the name of the new record, the Liquid Sky, that's taken right out of a placebo song. Like they're, they're like our biggest influence as mm. a band. It's yeah. like just the idea of just leaving every prerequisite of what this is and what that is and just fucking pissing all over it and starting again like like who are you not what are you and you know I'm not getting at that whole you know the whole new bullshit where like I identify as blah 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 or whatever that's fine like you can identify as whatever you want just shut the fuck up about it like yeah. honestly and it's yeah. like like that that's absolutely it becomes like the new preaching like well oh, pretty it's just much more, more shit yeah. to whinge about and yeah. it's you know every everybody wants to feel like their story is more special than everybody else's it's all um it's all about um i mean instagram and stuff is like really push that but obviously that's come into business in a big way and it's the same with business or humans in general is that the more you get noticed the more successful you are you know and that's and and the success goes back into your mind and makes you a stronger person because you're successful and you're content and that you know so, so what I'm saying is it's not entirely like a negative thing, but I'd say having having a female in the band doesn't make a difference to us at all because some of some of Shelby's qualities are actually more masculine than some of our yeah. qualities. Mm-hmm. And yep. you know, look at the band now; like we're all androgynous looking, more <laughs> or less. You know, um, you know, we got two skinny guitar players that you know. I've seen them. I've seen Ollie cross dressed. He looks good. Um, very Ollie makes a very very pretty woman. So do you? Oh, yeah, I think I saw a photo of you in a dress. I've done it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did it for a uh, for our drummer's girlfriend's party. She she was like, oh, uh, I, you know, we're doing this zombie party, and you know, this is what I want to do. And I was like, well being in like you know old black metal death metal bands or whatever and being like fairly gothy with the old goth scene and stuff i've dressed as a zombie so many times it's just boring as fuck now so i was like well why don't i dress up as a female zombie and i said it to her and then she's like you've got to do it now like you've said it and i'm like fuck so i I borrowed like borrowed kelly's corset and like her boots and stuff and that was quite interesting it was weird because i walked around the melbourne cbd for about 20 minutes that and i was getting cat calls out of taxis and shit like that um but did you start to feel comfortable Oh, I never, I, I never felt uncomfortable. Really, like I mean, life's too short to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> like the world is like this really small place, and you know, people are gonna, people are gonna react to things how they're gonna react to things. And I've, I've never really, 
not true like when I was a kid I was quite an anxious kid like I was born an anxious kid and I cared a lot and then like just through like touring and like you know shit things that have happened in my life and good things that have happened in my life I've just learnt that like it's like this is a ride and it's fun like don't take it too seriously and try not to fucking hurt people on the way mm-hmm. and that's a hard thing as well because I feel like a lot of people go oh this person you know is a shit person with bad intentions or whatever I don't think that there are many people in the world that have bad intentions I think that the way that the way that good intentions can be um, selective to a certain thing and then maybe that's the bad decision for something else or like you know like things that are positive or meant in a positive manner can or in their best interest can can manifest in a bad harmful way to other people and it's almost impossible to live your entire life without hurting someone Mm -hmm. I think that's like that's the thing and with this finger pointing thing that we're talking about in the band as well we also have a rule you know if we're on stage or whatever like if you're going to say anything make it positive you know and we get lumped into this category all the time or depressive suicidal black metal and you know all this shit and it's like yeah okay some of us have been suicidal in the past some of us have are dealing with depression or whatever but we're just human we're not focusing on the fact that there is this dysfunction like there's got to be some like beauty in the chaos you know it's yeah. just the, our music is not about that our music is just about music you know it's like this is art like when I was writing this that's how I felt when I was writing that that's how I felt it's not all the same shit and it's not like an excuse to just dump a bunch of like mental incoherent you know basically lump mental weakness onto something but obviously like fragility is a huge thing in in humanity full stop so that is something that we focus on it's the being fragile being honest um you know like we don't we don't get up there and like perform like this rehearsed thing it depends on the day that we've had or the week that we've had you know we found out before that you know a friend of mine has died you know four or five days before a gig and that comes out like you you see it on stage it's like it might not be the most energetic gig in the world but there's this other sort of energy going on yeah exactly and all you can do is really just express yourself you know like bad day at work you can tell like it's it's you know sometimes like you know you look at like Tom after I've noticed it on the last gig actually he had like a really crazy day in the warehouse like packing and he almost looked like he couldn't carry his guitar <laughs> you know like it's like yeah. that. that's the nature of the music is just that honesty you know like mm. I consider this band like a rock and roll band if anyone asked me what it was I'd say like it's like alternative rock and roll slash metal like I don't listen to a lot of like straight out metal at all um, Tommy listens to like a fair bit of metal but, you know, we like stuff like him and, you know, Placebo and Nine Inch Nails and that sort yeah, of stuff. stuff. Yeah, Yeah, so I consider us more just, uh, I don't know, like the new record's different. There's more death metal elements on some of it, more doom elements, more black metal on some of it. And then there's this really random song in the middle that is just all clean vocals and it's like a duet between Ollie and I. It's got this big, like, desert riff in it and, like, it's really <laughs> odd. Um, you know, massive like Pain of Salvation influence in this new stuff because we, we heavily got into that. Um, and Ollie's pretty much singing through most of the record. Shelby's got a lot of vocal spots and stuff. But, you know, if I was to... Honestly, I think that it is the, the perfect follow-up from Promise of Oblivion, which was our debut album. And the EPs in the middle are very experimental and we were trying to find our feet and learn where we were going to be and at the time we were like yeah this is great this is awesome and now I look back at it for me and and Ollie like you know we've all discussed what do we want to do now and the production was like too modern for us um 
we feel like it, it was a bit too bitey and a little bit too aggressive and not ambient as we would like it to be sort of bottom heavy and so the whole idea of this record is bottom heavy yeah. the artwork is bottom heavy it's basically about drowning in an abyss of misery and alcoholism um and you know we we drank a lot of a lot of piss during this um yeah yeah i'd say like 1500 bucks worth of alcohol jesus Uh, but it's all written we're in the studio recording this Mm. now and i just think that if anyone was like like what kind of music is it i would rather just like give them like a free link to the record like just Mm. fucking listen to it Mm. man like like it's got the same vibe as the first record because it's the same people you know and it's the same that's how it's going to sound and like if it's more this or that it's us pushing the boundaries but also being comfortable with like what we're capable of and Mm. you know like we found out that that ollie can sing like an octave and a half higher than me without even going into falsetto (laughs) so that's been absolutely um taken advantage of in this record and there's there's parts where like you know shelby will be singing like a ollie will sing the harmony and then shelby will go to the harmony and ollie will go like an octave up and he's just doing this like ridiculous like hair metal kind of like skid row thing yeah over the top and it just yeah and it just works so well and lots of like layering like really bitter clean vocals but yeah. like with like gutturals and stuff like mm-hmm. that like yeah. it's just experimenting i've basically just seen like you know we we've got a track on the split that has sam from um from depart in it and it's actually a re-recorded version of something that we didn't quite get out before that we weren't happy with but that track was worth saving and he does like this end part and it's one of my favorite songs for sure he does this end part and there's the gutturals are like so low in it and just me doing that live i was like how far can i push this can i go lower can i do this you know i sat at home and sort of sung over some like bloodbath kind of stuff and just that you know that real guttural and i was like you know what i can do this yeah so is that that really like piggy scream no no it's just like a real real hollow like low kind of okay yeah yeah yeah. uh, like think like opeth yeah, yeah, like, like, okay. Opeth, like yeah, real yeah. grunty, gurgly kind of thing. Yeah. But I like how you mentioned rock and roll in your approach, and that's really cool because I think a lot of metal is very uh, quite focused on being precise and technical. Um, but I like bands like Your Shirt, like Mastodon, where when they get up, it's like I know they're playing metal, but there's this kind of loose looseness to it, like this rock and roll thing to it. Um, yeah, even I, with their characters themselves, like I think the um, the Japanese company that we're going through japan kind of summed it up the best is they said that like we're we're like a an ambient or atmospheric black metal band with a goth sheen and a punk rock attitude Mm. and i think it's definitely in the attitude you know we get up there and we you know it's very rocky like the the other reason for the lineup change as well is just like that that um rock vibe like we just we found the perfect dude that was just like he'll vomit in his hair and he'll drink and he'll fucking do whatever and like you know like he's just it's just like pure energy and like I feel like for especially because the music can be sort of withdrawn in some aspects like it really pays to have that really forward connecting like live show where there's stuff going on visually that that actually pulls in uh, circulates this sort of whirlwind of energy mm. that 
may be a lot different to what people were expecting when they listened to the records. Mm, yeah. You know, like, uh, there's going to be a lot of depressive black metal fans that don't like us and that are really not going to like this new album, but then there'll be some people that just go, oh, this is sick, you mm. know, it's just... That probably aren't even into metal at all. Who knows? But, but yeah, when they knows? see you visually, they're like, well, this is something different. It's who not knows? just... Who yeah. knows, yeah. I'm quite interested to see how our... Um, you know, I hate to I hate to like put it in this basket, but like you know the way that we look, our image. I'd like to see how that, if that captivates Japanese audiences or not. You know, especially with mm. the whole, um, you know, as you were saying, like the geisha thing and stuff like that. And we wear like you know the white, the white foundation and the the dark eyes, and you know a lot of the time like glitter and purple and all this fucking crazy stuff. Mm. Like I'd like to see if that draws anyone in or if yeah. people are like what the fuck. Because I know like Australia is a very. Um, sort of backwards country where like it's sort of still run on these old like Christian ideals and what we do here like especially in Perth like there's a lot of people that are like you guys are fucking queer and we're like yeah we're queer as fuck like, <laughs> I want to I put together a, I want to put together a tour where we actually just hit up Sydney and play gay clubs <laughs> and, and maybe like a float at the Mardi Gras no, because or there, there, there is a stigma of homophobia definitely in the metal community but it's probably changing now it's a bit more progressive now but yeah, that was a, like I've been called faggot all the time at metal shows oh like, totally man I just I don't have time for people that um, that don't have an open mind but I'd say that it's not really metal that breeds that I'd say mm. that it's um, you know upbringing stigma in general and like where you're from I've met some of the most fucking awesome people in what you call the metal community mm. which I don't yeah. really believe in either Yeah, yeah. As, as I was saying before like mm. when we were not on yeah not, not recording not yeah. recording like I don't think that there is a metal scene or anything like that like everyone is individual and mm. just the fact that these people are drawn to the same things it just means their interests line up and that's yeah. just where they need to be yeah and, yeah you know and I think that people in general need to just have more of like a sense of family um and you see it a lot in the in the you know you call it the metal scene like you know stuff goes wrong and people do help people out and it's it's For amazing sure. but mm. that's people that's not because they like metal they no, just know no, each other because no. they have similar interests but that's people being good people mm. and you'd find that everywhere in, definitely in like hip hop and rap communities the less you look for yeah. it the more you find it yeah yeah <laughs> you know, it's that's kind true. of it's one of those things that you know I think finding finding a bad person is actually a lot more difficult than people it think. It takes effort. You know, especially yeah. young people who are always like, oh, fuck this, I hate people, I like cats, I'm staying inside. Blah. It's like, <laughs> how can you hate people? You're a person, you hate yourself. Like, there's mm. good people out there, you just need to, you need to work out, like, what qualities you're looking for in certain people and there's always someone out there for you. Like especially mm. these people like, Oh, I'm lonely, like I want a partner, I want a partner. It's like don't push it. You will find someone at point that is just like perfect for you. Mm. Until or then just go go outside and meet someone. Well the other <laughs> the other thing is like maybe if you're not finding someone, maybe you need to work on yourself. Maybe you don't have what other people are looking for yep. and you're not attracting but, but, but the right it's people. Like it's there, but you mm. just gotta you gotta think and channel it and really yeah. really go, Well what do I want? If I want this, what do I owe someone that's gonna give me this? Like what's yep. gonna make that work? Well thinking about it in a sense like what am I what is what is it about me that is attracting this sort of person? Exactly. Instead of well, I always run into shit people. It's like, well, maybe you are contributing to that. In a yeah, way, maybe or, you have a lot more control over that than you think. Or maybe you have expectations that are unrealistic. Mm. You know, um, yep. people have flaws. People will let you down at yep. some point. You know, I've, 
Um, I know that there, you know, as we discussed before, there's been points where people in the band have felt like I've let them down. And, you know, I know people that aren't in the band, um, you know, anymore feel like I massively let them down in, in massive, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, really badly. But at the same time, like sometimes you've got to look at your life and look at where that's going and look at everything else in the big picture and sort of um, just working out where you sit with certain things and where certain things fit with fit in your life and what you need to do and everything is a decision you know especially when you're like moving through things you know it's you get like a crossroad and there might be two three four whatever decisions one way is going to take you one way but a lot of the time there's no looking back and you're gonna if sometimes if you go one way and that that makes someone really happy then you shoot someone else in the foot at the same time but you need to assess like whether that's the right move for you and if that's the right move for you it's going to make you a stronger person and hopefully you can go back and patch shit up later on because you have the strength to do it Mm. so yeah yeah very inspiring words <laughs> from Chris. Um, but uh, just last question: Can can we expect to hear like a Kawaii Japanese version of this album when it comes? <laughs> that's a. Okay, that's that. That's, that's a hard one. Like you know, I can give it to you, and you can record the vocals. But no, what I actually really want to do with this album is pick one song, um, later on, and get the stems, and send the stems to a psytrance artist and get somebody to do an electronic version of one of our tracks. That's cool. Um, give them the raw vocals, give them everything that they need and let them work their plugins with pitch shifters and, you know, change the ratio mm. and that sort of thing, make the drums more electronic. Just do something like that. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever release it, but just for my ears, because I've been smashing infected mushroom lately, like <laughs> fucking crazy. You've got no idea. Yeah. Like, and, you know, there's parts in this in this record where, like, I've, I've been listening to, like, Heavyweight and trying to sort of emulate, like, because they've got their own plug-in. I, you know, I have their plug-in at home, like, sort of, like, emulate some of the vocal sounds and stuff on that. And I think it's actually going to fit in the record without being too corny. But to take that to, like, the next level and just get someone, like... Here is our music. You put your spin on it, and just just to hear what it sounds like electronic. I mean, Tommy and I have been recording acoustic versions of our stuff lately because we're like, well, you know, if we're in Melbourne, we can sit on the road and make some money. You know, mm-hmm. like basically just play acoustic versions of our songs, and it's opened up so much. Like, there's songs that we are playing where I've noticed that, like, you know, instead of screaming this lion, like, if you do certain like melodies, it actually changes the entire vocal performance in that track and stretches the um, melodic and harmonic envelope of like what can actually happen Mm. and there's all these other parts where it's like I could record like four harmonies there and that would sound awesome so if we ever went back to re-record that song even heavy I could add so many so many more layers and stuff and it's changed the way that I sing the songs live you know 12 guitar tracks per per side oh (laughs) fuck what did Nish say the, I think the last record there was something like it was like 74 guitar tracks or something ridiculous mm. and that's another thing that we're changing on this record that's you know if th- there's there's two guitar players we're literally playing lead and that's it lead and rhythm and the rhythm will be left and right you know and then the lead and we want to keep it super realistic you know if we're doing ambience and stuff like it's stuff that we record on top and then we play that like in a backing track um you know, two of us play piano quite fluently, um, which is Ollie and I. Ollie actually majored in um, 
in classical piano at Whopper. Yeah, okay. So the dude's incredible. And he's playing keys on all my solo stuff as well. But, um, you know, we, we do have a lot of piano that we, we probably could orchestrate live, but just to take up that much space on little stages with this massive keyboard and then have to fly that over on tours and shit like it's just it's not worth it for us like they're middle parts but we just wanted to keep this like you hear what you get like this is the band and then there's you know there's the added layers but they're not nest you know like 74 tracks of guitars like you know coming in and out and automating it and that kind of shit like it's just we don't feel like this record calls for it like we understand why the last one did because there's a lot of layers that complement weird vocals coming in and out mm. but um with this stuff like we want it to be more like promise of oblivion which was me sitting in a sitting in a room actually playing like a real guitar amp loud and then here are the tracks here you go there's shit all in there and that's sort of how we want this but we're paying good money to get this done so it, this is Promise of Oblivion was done between Drew and I and Drew mixed and mastered it and he's incredible like he polished a turd we did drums like in my room I gave him shit guitar tones the vocals were done on a on a 58 like probably like gained up way too hard and we made something like that worked out of it and his master on that like holds up like put that on against like big records like it's got the warmth it's got the dynamic range um, and that's what we're going for in this is like expensive sounds with a big dynamic range we want it like fairly uncompressed we want the bass to have it grunt and we want the, the high end stuff to have detail and uh, yeah for, for the you know obviously won't disclose you know how expensive the record is and obviously we're getting help from our record label and stuff we're um, we just want this to be like the follow up like this is hopefully gonna be the most professional thing we've yeah. done um best foot forward and then it sets a benchmark you know and some of the albums on our record label that we're competing with uh, hard acts to follow you know like there's a uh Todbringer by a austrian band called ellender that album is fucking phenomenal and they just sold out like twice of both yeah. of his albums he too is hard too but it's incredible like that that album all the way through is one of the best ambient black metal things i've ever heard and like I feel like being on this label and him wanting the best out of us like we've got to hit that that's a benchmark and, and it's like big shoes to fill mm-hmm. especially considering the, the producer we're, we're doing this with Tris Dermer at Sumo and he doesn't like he doesn't do a lot of metal and that's why we picked him in the end you know it came down between him and our good friend Matt Templeton and it got to the point where and Tris was like you know I really want to do it I really, and I've worked with Tris on my solo stuff before and we sort of just agreed that it was like getting organic rock tones I mean like Matt's still going to help us with the drums and stuff but getting organic like rock tones Mm -hmm. and just like having it sound like a band in a room like that's what we want to do and um, you know not too not too polished but just polished enough and we just felt like uh, with Tris it's at least going to be interesting you know like like we don't know what it's going to sound like but we we can work on that together and it, it will be completely different to probably what we thought so that's the idea. Yeah. I just can't wait to hear it now. Now I really want to hear yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. Thanks. Sorry for keeping you guys so late. I know yeah, you've got, got work. You've got work tomorrow. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh, back, shit. Back <laughs> Sorry to remind you. <laughs> Damn. But yeah, thank you very much. And um, even best with luck with the gigs in the Japan. Yeah, good luck with Japan. Maybe we'll yeah. talk to you before then, maybe, hopefully, or maybe after when you I come just, back. If you want us in, just let me know. Yeah, hell yeah. You you picked a good day because we're in the studio Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then shooting a music video on Monday. Nice. And we've got a gig on Friday night after the studio. Whereabouts? 
Railway. Railway, that's oh, the, the one. Yeah, railway. cool, man. <laughs> I like the old railway. Should be fun. Just place. get together, play some tunes, drink some beers. Um, we're playing with Nails of Imposition. Nice. Which should be kind of yeah. cool because I haven't, I haven't seen it. I haven't played in so long, so yeah. it should be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Chris and Tom, thanks so much for coming down. Thank you. Um, Thanks any, for us. any shout outs? Um, to the, well, Hen House again. Definitely, yes. You guys jammed here, yeah. haven't you? Yeah, 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 we, yeah. Have, we, we used to jam here when uh, when Ben was in the band. Yeah, awesome. So, yeah, yeah, love this place. Uh, yeah, shout out to Rob uh, at the Hen House, uh, Hip Flask as well, and you can go to missionctrl.com.au uh, for all of our episodes. And shout out to giglist.com.au. I keep yes, forgetting. Yes, just a list of gigs. A list of gigs, <laughs> very useful. Good but list to have, especially when you're booking them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon for another episode. Cool. <laughs> The Mission Control Podcast, brought to you by Hip Flask, the socially networked gig guide made locally, available on the App Store or Google Play, free of charge. Go to hipflaskapp.com.